The, the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. In fact, really, this, this is a book about relationships. Both in the Old and the New Testament, it's about relationships. And, and really, the relationships boil down into two factors. Number one is our relationship with God. And number two, our relationship with people. If you look at the Ten Commandments, about half of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. The other half deal with our relationship with people. The great commandment to love God and love people. It's about relationships. I believe in every one of Paul's writings, he begins his letters with this phrase, with peace and grace. May God's peace and grace be upon you, that we have peace with God and peace with one another. Everything is about relationships. Relationships matter. Relationships are really, really important. But sometimes it is not easy because we have to deal with difficult people. We have to deal with people that, that sometimes are hard to get along with, hard to communicate with, hard to work alongside of. We, we have to deal with difficult people in our relationships. What does the Bible have to say? Let me bring you to a verse. Let me read this out of the New Living Translation. If you have your notes on, on the inside of your bulletin, you can pull that down. You can follow along. If you have your Bible with you, let me encourage you to follow along there as well. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul, the, the elder, is writing to younger Timothy, and he says this. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Let's say that together. And be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. In dealing with difficult people, and I don't know if you've ever felt like this or not, but sometimes you get involved in one of these foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights that that seem to be a, a never-ending cycle and that would be the moment that you really pray for the rapture to come God get me out of this situation get me out of this conversation get me out of this argument God this would be a good time for you to show up and, and it is difficult at times sometimes God sends difficult people our way to make our lives better, to rub some rough edges off of us, to, to help us correct maybe some of the, the, the areas in our life that we struggle in. But the question is asked, why do we, why are there difficult people? Why are people difficult sometimes? Let me, let me give you just the most simple answer and um, I'll give you a couple of them here. Number one is this, is because we live in a fallen world. 
we're not perfect. We have a sin nature. We often tend to look out for number one. We, we sometimes ignore other people's feelings and we just run over them. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's just because we are in a fallen nature. We are in a fallen world. The Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. That includes all of us. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. But, but I believe the second reason is, is because relationships are so important to God that the devil will do everything he can to break up relationships. He'll do whatever he can to divide. I think of John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To, to destroy what God has put together. But thank Fully, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. He'll do whatever he can to put a wedge between husbands and wives. He'll do whatever he can to put a wedge between parents and children. He'll do whatever he can to put a wedge between neighbors or even fellow believers at church. In the 61 years I've walked this earth and in the 35 years that we've served in a local church, as pastors, I, I can tell you horror stories of how the devil has got in and divided the best of friends, believers who know better. We're the best of friends and no longer talk to each other. Walk down different aisles of the grocery store because they don't want to see the person that they once sat next to in worship. And the devil will do everything he can to put a divide because God is all about relationships. Relationship with him and a relationship with one another. The Bible even says, it's not in your, not in your notes, but the Bible says this, is that as much as is in you, be at peace with one another. In other words, we must do everything we can to be at peace with one another because life is better in a healthy relationship. Healthy relationships are, are where we grow. It's where we find incredible joy. It's where we find great encouragement. But relationships are also the place where we experience the greatest wounding. It's where we experience some of the greatest hurt. Our feelings get hurt the worst by the people we love the most. If you're walking down this sidewalk and a drunk comes out of a bar and says some ugly things to you, you just ignore him and you just dismiss it and you just walk on. But if you're best friend or a spouse or a child or a parent says the same thing to you, you get wounded and you take offense. Our feelings get hurt the worst by the people we love the most. Now, I have found that there are different types of relationships and there's different types of people that I come across and maybe you have come across them as well. Let me just give you some, some different examples. The first one is what I call the hammer people. The hammer people. They're, they're loud, 
They're unruly, they're harsh, they're intimidating. I mean, they will, they will turn the fiercest lion into a pussycat. I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're loud, they're intimidating. Anybody ever met intimidating people? I mean, they, they, and just loud, and, they're, and, and, and their bark is just ferocious. The second group of people uh, are the megaphone people. The megaphone people, they're just always loud. They're just always loud. They're always talking. They're always, they talk, talk, and talk, and talk, and talk, and they will talk you into submission. They will just keep at it until you finally give up or you finally give in. They just keep at it and at it and at it. They, they, they're like the dog that just won't let go of the bone. They just keep at it. The third kind of difficult person is the bubble burster. You know these people, don't you? I mean, they just are always busting your bubble. You have good news and they have bad news. You get a new car and they're like, well, hope you don't get it scratched. You get a, you get a, a, a raise or you get a promotion at work and they're like, well, you better hold on to it before you get fired. I mean, they're just always busting your bubble. You come up with a dream of God. You want to do something great for God. And they're like, oh, you can never do that. That's, kind of, that's too big of a dream. They're always bursting your bubble. Anybody ever met those kind of people? All right. Then there's the volcano people. The volcano people. Yeah. This guy, I mean, you just don't know. They're unpredictable. They use scorching, hot, sometimes even vulgar language. And you don't know what you're going to get. They're just the people that fly off the handle. And you just, you don't know what you're going to get. The, the next kind are what I call the space cadet people. <laughs> they're the space cadets. They're just lost. They're in their own world. In fact, they're so lost, they don't even know they're in the world. I mean, they're just, they're just lost. They have, they have no clue what's going on. They're, they're in the twilight zone. Do, 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 do. You know, they're just, they're, they're just space cadets. And then you've got these. These, these are the, the ones. And, and you may have met someone like this. I, I call them the owl people. The owl people, they give you the silent treatment. And they're really good at it. I mean, they, they, they get upset and they will, they will be silent. They won't even talk to you for days, let alone weeks. They're just silent. They, they just ignore you. They treat you as if you don't even exist. And they'll go on and on and on that way. And then the next one are the nitpickers. The nitpickers. <laughs> They find every little thing that's wrong. And they're just always nitpicking. Always going on and on. They're the chronic complainer. They, they just whine and whine and whine. And, and uh, they, they just never end. And then you've got the crybabies. Then you've got the crybabies. Anybody ever met a crybaby? I mean, they just, they, they're, they just whine. I mean, they just, they, they, they let loose until they get their way. And if they don't get their way, they will let you know about it. And then you've got the users. And these are the ones that are a little bit more toxic than the others. These are the users. 
They, they use guilt to get their way. They're the manipulators. They, they have an ulterior motive. They're used to controlling things. They're used to controlling people. And that's what they do. And then the last one, which I think is so toxic, and that is the garbage collectors. The garbage collectors. Those are the ones that pick up everyone else's offenses. They pick up everyone's offenses. And in fact, they're the one that people go to to complain to. And they're the one that maybe you've experienced it at work, that they're the one that walks into the boss's office and they say, Mr. Boss or Mrs. Boss, I, I, I'm just the spokesman here, but everybody has been talking to me and they're just, they want me to share with you about how they're not happy with your leadership or your management style. And, and they've been coming to me because they're afraid to come to you. And they're the garbage collectors. They just, they collect everyone else's offenses. They collect everyone else's woundedness. And, and sometimes then they take all of their offenses and their wounds and they begin to dump them on other people. They're the garbage collectors. Now, in all of these people, here, here's, here's the point. We get to choose how we're going to respond. We get to choose how we're going to respond to the, the, the angry, the berating, the gossiper, the complainer, the space cadet, the, the bubble buster. We get to choose how we're going to respond to all of these people. You see, every one of those people see life differently. They see life through their prism. They see life through their lens. They see life through their life experiences, their hurts, their pains, their woundedness, their pride, their anger. So what do we do? We have a choice how we're going to respond. And there's different ways that we can respond. We can choose to either curse it. We can curse it. We can curse it. Cursing it is when we get down to their level. We get down to their level and we just say, you know, you burn me, I'm going to burn you. You gossip about me, I've got some stuff about you. And we get down to their level. Secondly, is that we can choose to nurse it. That's where we get offended and we get wounded and we begin to nurse it. Now, we have three children, five grandchildren, and here's what happens when you feed babies. They grow. They grow. And so you start nursing your offense, and it will grow. And here's how it grows, is when you start rehearsing it over and over and over again. And you start telling the story of what they did to you. And you start telling yourself. Then you start telling your spouse. Then you start telling your kids. Then you start telling other people, I can't believe what they did to me. I just can't believe what they, it was so hurtful, so painful. I cannot believe. What, wouldn't you agree that that was a hurtful thing that they did to me? And then you begin to nurse it and you rehearse it. But what we're called to do is reverse it. We're called to reverse it and give it back to God. Someone wounds you and someone hurts you, we give it back to God. We choose not to carry their toxic behavior anymore. 
We give it back to him. We choose not to carry the offense. So we make these choices. So let's look at the Bible and let's see what the Bible has to say about how do we deal with difficult people because relationships are fragile and they're important and they're fragile and we all have difficult people in our life and we need God. We need God's help in how to deal with them. Number one is this, is realize you cannot please everyone. There are just people in your life that you cannot please. You're not going to be able to please everyone. And so what do you do? Well, here's what the Bible says. Jesus said this, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. There's another verse in the book of Acts where, where the disciples were being accused. They were sharing the good news about Jesus, and they brought them in to the authorities, and they said, listen, we have a choice here. We can either please men or we can please God. And, and be a God pleaser. Even Jesus, he was, people were coming to him and he was having to deal with the difficult people in his life, the religious leaders. And, and he says, I'm not here to please myself. I'm only here to please God. And if there is anyone who ever dealt with difficult people, it would have been Jesus. He was mocked. One of his own disciples betrayed him. He was lied about. People were out to get him. His own disciples forsook him. The religious leaders accused him. The people cried out to crucify him. And yet he chose, he chose not to please himself, but he chose to please God. And that's the attitude that we need to have. People will do all sorts of things to us, so we need to keep our eyes focused on him. Number two is this, refuse to play the game. Just refuse to play the game. People get down in the dirty, refuse to get down in the mud with them. I love this verse in John chapter 2 out of the New Living Translation. It says this, but Jesus didn't trust them. He's talking about the people that were trying to trap him. Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. Of course he knew about people. He created people. It, but Jesus didn't trust them. He didn't trust their motives. He didn't trust what they were trying to do. Because he knew about people. He knew their heart. So he stayed above the fray. He stayed above the frustration. He stayed above the manipulation. He stayed above the anger. He stayed above it all. And when they tried to trap him, when they tried to trick him into getting involved in an argument, he, he didn't get pulled in. He stayed above the fray. And it can happen to us. It can happen to us in conversations with people I have a very, very good friend of mine. His name is Steve. And, and, and Steve is the kind of guy that just has an absolute no gossip filter in his life. He refuses to get involved in gossip. And so someone will come to him and say, hey, did you hear about so and so? And he'll say, stop right there. He says, I don't want to hear it because I don't want to sin. And they're like, what? what? What do you mean you don't want to sin? I'm just telling you about, he said, no, stop. He said, because what you're doing is gossip. And if I listen to the gossip, if I partake in your gossip, I don't want to sin. So just, just be quiet. 
I mean, he has an absolute no gossip filter in his life. He refuses to get down. It can happen on the internet in this hot political environment. Instead of Facebook being about puppies and babies and cherry pie. You know, sometimes, sometimes people will say things and, and people have the right to say whatever they want and they should. But sometimes if we disagree with someone, sometimes we feel it's my job to get in and to correct it. And generally, it doesn't go well when you do. Generally, it doesn't go well. And so don't fall for it. Because relationships often get shattered. People get wounded. There are wonderful avenues. But just be careful. Refuse to play the game. Number three, rise above it. Rise above it. Isaiah 40. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. I want to rise above it. I want to get ahead of it. The best way I know is through prayer. Sometimes it's the quick prayer in the moment. You're tempted to lash back. You're tempted to get even. And it's in those moments that I find the quick prayers. Maybe you're in the grocery line or the angry guy in the car next to you on your way to work. Whatever it is. And you want to get even. You want to lash back. But rise above it. A couple weeks ago, Dr. Halbomption, as he spoke, he taught us the difference between goals and desires, the things you can control, the things you can't control. And your desire may be to get to work early or maybe even on time. And yet, things don't go according to plan. You have a traffic delay. The car won't start. The dog gets loose, runs through the neighborhood. And so you're on, you got your suit and you're, you're running through the neighborhood yelling at your dog. And, uh, and so your goal, your aim was, was to get to work on time, but it didn't work that way. And so you make it your aim to always be kind and considerate and compassionate instead, even when you catch the dog. <laughs> the same is true when someone shouts at you, talks down to you, bullies you says all kinds of evil against you. Don't get down to their level. Rise above it. Make it your aim. Make it your aim to be kind, considerate, compassionate. Number four, never retaliate. Never retaliate. First Peter 3.9 says, out of the Living Bible, I love this translation for, for uh, this verse. It says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't snap back at those who say unkind things about you. Because they will. If you stand up for righteousness, you stand up for truth, people will say all kinds of ugly about you. But don't snap back at those who say unkind things about you. Instead, pray for God's help for them. For we are to be kind to others, and God will bless us for it. Now, it's easy to read that verse. It's really hard to do it. It's hard to walk it out. Hard to live it because we want to pay people back, but usually not with a blessing. We want to pay people back with equal harm. Someone gossips about us, boy, do we have dirt on them. Someone puts salt in our sugar container, we want to sabotage your sandwich in the refrigerator. 
I mean, we just want to get even. And again, if there was anyone who had a right to retaliate, it was Jesus. But he didn't. Remember what he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And oftentimes, the people that are the most difficult in your life have no clue what they are doing. They, don't, they didn't wake up that morning and say, I think I'm going to be difficult today. There may be a few people who wake up and do that, but generally, generally, that's not the case. So what do we do? We release them. Number five, we release them. Because quite frankly, there are some people you just cannot fix. They don't know what they're doing. Some people are so toxic, they just can't help themselves. It's their nature. It's their upbringing. Here's why often it's a good idea not to even try. It's because God loves them too. And God has a plan for their life. Look at this verse, Matthew 5. Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And this involves everyone who wounds you and hurts you. Everyone who berates you, everyone who gossips about you, pray for them. Show grace to them. Extend mercy to them. Don't demonize people. Pray for them. Because we don't know their story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a background. Everybody has a history. And often the reason that they are difficult is because of the journey of life that they have been on. I heard a story recently about a man who had a dog that loved to run and chase squirrels. And if you're a dog person, they love squirrels. We have a little miniature schnauzer in our house, and we, we were not good. We, we did not train that dog well, because we, uh, all we'd have to do is say, squirrel! And that dog would run to our patio door. And, I mean, just, squirrel! And it was just, I mean, it was game over. And we had this squirrel that would, would come on the patio deck. It was funny, sir. We had a squirrel that would come and, and would just pace back and forth in front of the window. And our dog is going ballistic. Like, rah, 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 rah. and this squirrel just back and forth. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so, so back to this story, this this uh, dog is on a chain in the backyard by the doghouse, and, and, uh, and the squirrel would come and encroach in, and he would go after the squirrel. And, and one day, the squirrel is running across the back of the fence, and, 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 and he, he took geometry class, and he understood it really well, and he, he, he marked out the timing and the angle that he needed to get the squirrel. And the squirrel is running across the back, and he timed it, took off at the exact moment he needed to, chase after the squirrel, and, and just as he got to the squirrel, the squirrel went down on the other side of the fence, and the dog took off after the squirrel over the fence. Only problem was, the chain that was on the dog wasn't long enough to get over the fence. And the master on the inside of the house, the owner, he sees what's happening. He runs out, and here's his dog hanging from, from his chain over the fence. And this master is, is, I mean, a dog is a man's best friend, right? 
And so he's doing what, what any owner would do. He's trying to help the dog. He doesn't want the dog to die. He doesn't want the dog to choke. Dog is, is, is barking, trying to choking, and doing all kinds of things. He's trying to lift this dog up, and guess what his best friend does? Bites him. And isn't it that way sometimes when we try and help wounded people? We get bit. We get bit. We don't know people's story. They may be loud, unpredictable, offensive, just because they're hurting. The waitress who is rude to you at the restaurant may just be a single mom who's working two jobs and is so tired, all she wants to do is go home and sleep. The guy that cuts you off on the road, he just may be racing to the hospital to say his last goodbye to his wife. The guy who's always has the whopper of a fish story, always butting in the conversation, always has to one-up the story, always has to jump in and it may be because he's sitting home alone at night and no one to talk to. The lady that's always gossiping in the prayer meeting may be just because she's craving intimacy and holding on to a secret that she can share with somebody gives her a sense of intimacy. And I'm not saying that these are good excuses to bad behavior, but they may help understand people's behavior. So release them to God. Pray for them. Lastly, number six, live redemptively. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. It's hard to live with difficult people. It really is. And the only way that I can, I can is when I realize that God has forgiven me. When God has forgiven me, I can forgive others. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to end this series talking about how do I pray we're going to walk through the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Father, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my debt. Forgive me of my trespasses. As I forgive those who have sinned against me. Those who are indebted to me. Those who have trespassed against me. Father, forgive me so I can forgive others. See, You'll never have to forgive others more than what God has already forgiven you. Because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We've sinned against God. And it's easy to curse. It's easy to nurse. It's easy to rehearse our offenses and our wounds. But we can choose to reverse it back to God and live redemptively realizing that God has a bigger purpose for their lives 
and God has a bigger purpose for our life. Live redemptively. Live with a bigger purpose in mind, an eternal value. I believe this morning that there are those here that you've been wounded. You have a story. You've lived with guilt and shame and hurt and wounds and offenses, maybe from your childhood. Maybe going back to things that were done to you when you were young or said to you along life's journey. And you've carried those wounds. I believe this morning God wants to set you free. God wants to release your heart. He wants you to walk in the victory and the freedom that is available through Christ. The Bible says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. God wants you free. He doesn't want you to live burdened or carrying a hurt or being wounded or carrying offenses. But he wants us to be free. Would you bow your head? Right where you sit. Would you be bold enough to say, that's me. I need to, I need to release these to God. Other people here this morning, would you raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, yeah. Many others, yeah. Others, yeah. All over this place. Carrying wounds. Would you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for the forgiveness that you have given to me. Through Christ Jesus, my Savior and my Lord. I give this burden to you. I give the woundedness and the offense to you. Forgive me, Father, for holding on to it, for nursing it, rehearsing it. Forgive me of my sin as I forgive those who have sinned against me. I release those to you. I release those people. I release those hurts. I release those offenses to you. I refuse to carry it any longer. But I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing and your freedom. I speak blessing upon those who've hurt me. And I thank you, Father, for loving me in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one here. And you know the hurts and the wounds that have been carried that have now been released back to you. And God, I ask that you would come and invade their heart with your love.
that you would fill each one with your love, with your Holy Spirit. That when those thoughts and those words come back to try to gain entrance again, that we would just call out the name of Jesus and say, no, I am set free. I choose to reverse it back to God. That I would walk in freedom. And God, as as I encounter difficult people in my life, I choose, Father, to be kind and considerate and compassionate. That, God, that you would live redemptively through me. Father, thank you that we can have a relationship with you. And out of that relationship of loving you, we can love our neighbor. Thank you, Father, for what you've done here today. And the freedoms we've experienced. And we praise you and give you all of the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right, would you stand to your feet?